All righty. Thank you for bringing your Bible. I want to uh, express my appreciation to people that do things behind the scenes, especially folks that are uh, back here with Ken and Andrew doing their work. They uh, are faithful. Sometimes other guys are back there, but we appreciate those men and how they help, especially when you don't have a strong voice. I really appreciate those guys. I want you to take your Bible this morning and locate three passages, if you would. Usually I'll just keep you to two, because I don't know if you can find three. But I'll give you three this morning. Proverbs 13 has been kind of our uh, key verse, and I want you to turn there. Proverbs chapter 13, and then turn to Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. Matthew 6, and then 1 Timothy 6. And if you can't do that, we'll find them as we go. And I believe they've got them on the screen for you. But I'd like for you to look at them. Proverbs 13, and then Matthew chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 6. About 20 years ago, I was in a a very small group setting with a group of pastor friends. And in that group, there were two men that were not pastors. They were very successful businessmen. They were... Uh, uh, to be honest, very, very successful financially, multimillionaires. One man was in his uh, early 70s, and he was uh, had made a lot, a lot of money. And so uh, we had got to know them through the years because of some things. And so we were just talking to them about, about business. I love to uh, hear people's stories and their life journey, and I also like to learn about principles there are a lot of transferable principles that are true in the business world. I read a lot of business books. I'm read, uh, reading a book. In fact, I just finished it. I uh, told one of my boys about it. I said, I think you'd like this book. Would you like to read it? He said, yeah. A book by a sportscaster on interviews that he had done. In fact, I used a story in it last month. And so I'd like to hear people's stories and, and, and hear their principles. I'm always looking for principles. Just uh, listening, I'll listen to a podcast and, and, and get a principle. Systems, processes uh, that work, those things fascinate me. And so uh, because these men were our friends, the conversation turned to business. And so we were at liberty because we, we knew them to ask them some questions about their, their success and about um, the nature of it and how they had come to, to that place in their lives. And one of them said, well, if you want to ask, this fellow was extremely successful. But he said, in the presence of everybody, this other, the older man, said, if you want to ask, ask him. He said, he's the one that knows more about business than I do. And he told me privately later, my, the younger fellow, he said, that guy, he said, people think I have money. He has money. He really knows how to make money. And so... In, in the course of that, there was a common denominator of what they told us about how that they uh, had come about to make their fortune. I'm going to come back to that in the message because it has an application in your spiritual life. I'll show you that in a moment. Now, we've been in this little series that I've called How to Be Rich. Now, this is not uh, financial wealth because there's different ways to be wealthy. And because of that, I spent, I don't know, maybe six messages on 
the subject of how to measure wealth. Because if you do not know how to measure your wealth, someone said many people have climbed to the top of the ladder only to realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. That's not just a a pithy saying. That's That's a truth. Especially when you're 60, 70, if you're 40. And you realize I'm up against the wrong wall. I've given my life to this. You don't want to do that. And, and I hope you'll listen to uh, avoid my words carefully this morning. And so what I want to do now is I want to, to veer away from how to measure wealth. I, I treated that as best I could from the scriptures. And uh, in the coming weeks, I want to give some very practical messages on areas of wealth that we have as Christians and how that you can develop those individual areas. And I think it's going to be extremely practical. It's going to be helpful. Now, this, this is the kind of a sermon that I call a porch sermon, P-O-R-C-H, uh, using the metaphor of a house. You say, what is a porch sermon? Well, we're really not going to go and sit down and talk about much of the sermon. I'm going to talk to you about some truth from the Bible. But I'm not going to give you an outline. I'm going to give you, there's not going to be structure I'm going to give you a lot of scripture, and this is really an introduction to the, to the rest of this, the sermons. But there's too much for, to put in, in one of those other sermons, so I just put it by itself. But there's one dominant idea that I want to give you this morning, and I want you to take it away for, with you, and it has to do with the, the advice that these men gave us that day. And here's what they told us. Some of you already know this. But here's what they told us, these these millionaires. They said that wealth is increased by investment. Wealth is increased and had by investment. Now, before I go down there too much, I want to say this. The same is true in the spiritual realm. The blessings that God has given to you, and there there are a number of them. I don't know how many, seven or eight. I don't know how many I'll, I'll cover here. Not today, but in the future, and and this will help you. The way that you increase this wealth, this stewardship that God has given to you, is you you invest in it. Listen to this statement. Whatever has your daily attention and your focus has your investment. Now, when we think about investment, the first thing most of us think about is money. And in the, the business world, the financial world, that's what that means. If you want to be wealthy financially, you put in more money. But I'm not talking about financial wealth. I'm talking about other types of wealth. And let me just one illustration. If you want to have a wealth with your family in terms of relationships, okay? Some people are not wealthy relationally with their family. And here's why you don't invest relationally with your family. Now, I want to make this statement again. Listen carefully. Whatever has your daily attention and focus will have your investment. And whatever has your investment will determine the quality of your life. It's very powerful. It's very simple. Whatever has your daily attention and your focus is your investment. And whatever you invest in will result in the quality or lack of quality, good or bad, in your life. If you're not happy in an area of your life, you're experiencing some consequences that are not good. It's because 
of a poor investment. Now, the title of this message is a little bit, it's unusual, but it's true. And it's this, what you are growing is where you are going. Whatever you're fertilizing is what's going to come up. And whatever you're growing is where you're going. Or or another way to say it is whatever you're feeding is your future. Now, you know, some of you, you younger people don't understand this right now. And you're going to have to take it from an old man. Whatever you're feeding is your future. And if you want a good future, you better sow some good seed. If you want a good marriage, you better sow some good seed. If you want a lot of good friends, you better sow some good seed. You better be a good friend. If you want good friendships with the ones that you have, you need to be a better friend to them than they are to you. And by the way, you're not, you're not keeping score. That's, that's the whole point. You're so busy scoring, you're not, you're not, you're, you're so, excuse me, you're so busy sowing, you're not taking in the harvest. The harvest will come to you. And this is our problem. We don't want to invest. We want all the money. We don't want the investment. We do not want the discipline of the investment. And we're so lazy on the front end that we want the fruits, but we don't want the labor. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way in principles of finances. And God has has ingrained that law in life. It doesn't work that way in life. It doesn't work that way in the church. Now, here's our theme verse, if you look at it with me, in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. There is it maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. And there is it maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. And I said that there's two types of wealth there. Rich, yet hath nothing. And poor, yet hath great riches. And I also said that one is better than the other. Would you rather be the person that is... And the implication here is financially rich, but you really don't have anything. Or would you rather be the person that maybe doesn't have really much of anything, but you have great riches? That's a no-brainer. But today I want to, I want to shift a different focus on that verse and word. And look at it with me again. And I want you to notice a word that's used t- two times, two words that are used. Maketh himself. There is that maketh himself. Maketh himself rich, yet hath nothing. Now, if you see people that are in the world and they have money, they, they have made some decisions that got them there. Okay, There is that maketh himself poor, yet hath great riches. And the focus is there is that you have sacrificed something so you could have different kind of riches. In other words, you, you, have, you have made yourself rich in another way. But here's the idea, is maketh himself... These are intentions. These are choices, but they both have different outcomes. And it's a foolish thing sometimes to to go back and look at people and say, "Well, I, if I'd have been there, I could have." No, not necessarily. Probably not, because you don't have the discipline. You don't have the intention. You just would have, could have, should have. You just have a lot of wishful thinking. Now, going back to my opening story about meeting with these two businessmen, with my friends, 
they were very intentional with the resources, and they saw a financial increase, a tremendous financial increase. It was not an accident. People that have money, they think different. They read different. Now, I don't have money, but I've, I spend a little bit of time with people that do. And, and wealthy people are not that way by accident. And I'm not trying to get you to, I'm, I'm trying to get you to, to see something about the way that people think. They make different choices. They, they read different things than you do. They have different disciplines that, than you do. So, they make these financial investments. They say no to things that you don't say no to. They say yes to things that you don't say yes to. They work when you aren't working. They read things that you don't read. They research things that you don't research. And the the result is different. So it's foolhardy for us to say, well, I wish I I could do that. Or to look at some guy in the NFL or another sporting area and say, well, I could do that. Or in the Olympics. Well, I don't think so, or you would do it. You see, there's a, there's a price to be had. And too many times, especially in our culture today, when everybody gets the same trophy. When you look at people that have been set themselves apart in the business field, in the academic field, in the athletic field. And we think, boy, I wish I, wish I could have that, or I wish I could do that. And maybe we've all said that, you know, I wish I could. But here's the question. That's not the question. That's not the spirit. Here's the question. Are you willing to do what they did in order so they could have what they had? See, that's the issue. You see, they were working while you were sleeping. They were reading while you were watching TV. They were making disciplines while you were enjoying something else. Maybe something that wasn't sinful. So when you see a person that is experiencing blessings in their family or in some other area, they weren't born that way. They made different choices. Now there is a a financial principle, and I'm going to hinge off of this in just a moment, but I want to dig a little bit deeper because I want you to get this. I want you to feel the weight of this. Because I think in the church sometimes we just say, well, yeah, God's just blessed him. Well, there's, there's a word in the Bible called stewardship, and it's a word that means management. Well, he did bless him, but he did something with the blessings. God did bless him, but he did something with it. And God gave him a mind, and God gave him hands, and he did something with it. And God gave some people one talent, five talents, ten talents. And by the way, that's a unit of money. When you read it in Matthew 25, and it can represent a skill, but in that case, it's a unit of money. And different people did different things with it. And we all have different levels of ability. And that's okay. I'm going to give an account. When I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the person that will stand beside me, ideally, I don't know if this will really be true, but it's something that will be the person I could have been. You won't be beside me. My mom won't be there. My dad won't be there. My pastor won't be there. I will stand by myself. And perhaps I will see the person I could have been. 
And you will stand there and perhaps the image of what you could have been had you made the right choices. And so my, my wealthy friends invested and they practiced something that the world, and it, it just works, it's called compounding interest. And most of you know what this is. Younger people may not be familiar with it. But compounding interest is amazing. I thought about illustrating it, but it's too much time. I really don't want to do that right now. Compounding interest is simply when you make money on your interest. Principal is what you put in. If you put in $100 and you make 10% in a year, then you're going to make $10. But if you keep it in there, the next year you're going to make principal on $110 when you just put in 100 And so it goes and it keeps going. Now, here's the problem, and it's not a problem, but the reality of compounding interest. And this is a discouragement for most people. On the front end, it's just, it's just a little bit. It looks like it, it's not working. Oh, but it works for you. Especially, listen carefully, if, if you are investing every day. I'm not talking about money now. I'm talking about time and the Word of God. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about with your wife. I'm talking about with your kids. I'm talking about in evangelism. I'm talking about serving people every day. It has a compounding effect. I'm not talking about money, but the principle transfers. It's the same principle. Now, it was reputed that Albert Einstein said this about compounding interest. That compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it. And he who doesn't pays it. That is people that borrow from the bank. You're going to pay for other people that are making money off of your back because you haven't learned to invest. And I think sometimes we just look at people and say, well, they're, they're so lucky. They just have a good marriage. No, no, they work harder than you. I'm trying to be harsh. I'm, I'm really not trying to be harsh. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to be firm with some of you. They, they just have good kids. No, no they, they, just, they just discipline them every day. It's never easy. They just have, no, no. No, they, just, they were careful with their money. And what we do is we just have this wishful, idyllic thinking with people as Christians. And we just categorize these people and say, well, well, if I had that, I would. You do have something. If I had that kind of money, I would do this. You know, if you're not generous with your $50, you won't be generous with 5000 And that's why God doesn't give you more. I'm very serious. Because God knows who's going to invest... And who's, it's, it's an issue of stewardship. It's an issue of trust. When I'm using this metaphor of compound interest, the focus in a spiritual sense is on faithfulness. It's on obedience. It's on being steady in small things on a daily basis just to do what you're supposed to do and show up. I'm going to spend time in the Word of God every day. I'm reading my Bible every day. Every day. I'm showing up. Now, 
If you've been here for a year, you've heard me use this expression. A meaningful time alone with God. Now, words mean things, and I'm careful about the way I say them. I don't just say read your Bible. And reading the Bible is the most fundamental spiritual discipline because they affect every other thing. But it ought to be meaningful. But you can't have anything meaningful till you start. Brother, I just don't understand. Well, you can't understand something you don't read. And the more you read, the more you understand. Well, I wish I, wish I knew the Bible like him. Well, you can. Used to, he was a moron too. You can. Well, I wish I could. I wish I could sing like him. Well, you may not could sing like him, but you could sing better. But you just can't sit around eating tater chips, watching TV, wait for something to happen. You've got to invest. You've got to determine, God, what do you want me to do? And take the principle of a compounding interest and apply it to a relationship with God. And it's not that God's keeping score, but it is that God has entrusted some things to you and me. And he says, what are you going to do with these things? And part of that's for people. And part of, part of the difficulty, of, and I'm being very transparent with you, preaching sermons like this, is these are called imperatives. Especially when we get in here and look at this. And uh, I believe in the grace of God. If you've attended here long, salvation is by grace. You're not just saved by grace. You serve by grace. You grow in grace. I believe all of that. I believe that with all of my heart. But grace is not a static quality. Grace is an active quality. Grace enables, listen, grace enables you to do what you're supposed to do. You understand? Grace frees me to be who I'm supposed to be. Now, it's not hard to love Paula, but it's hard to love me. Grace frees her to love me. Grace frees me to be the parent I'm supposed to be. Grace gives me the desire and the ability to fulfill my responsibilities. That's what grace does. It's not just this this ethereal quality that goes around where Christians are spooky. No, it, Christians are exceedingly practical. And the depth of your relationship is determined with God, is determined by how you treat that relationship on a daily basis. And the more time you invest in that relationship, in His Word, in prayer, in meditation, the deeper that relationship gets. And can I use this, a financial term? The more it compounds. God still loves you. He loves you as much as he ever has. But he knows you. You don't know him. And, and your knowledge of him begins to expand. It begins to deepen and broaden. And, and all of a sudden you have this dynamic. Wonder, boy, I wish I knew God like he did. Well, you can. You have as much of God as you want in this room this morning. But it's your choices. The choices that you've made. We're either going to choose to live for money or we're going to choose to live for God's purposes and for His glory. We're either going to choose to live for the temporal or for the eternal. In one of the catechisms, uh, that's not a cave underneath. That's a catechism is, is a little uh, sentence that people repeat to learn doctrine. 
the Westminster Catechism. I think it's the first sentence in it. It's really good. I like this. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I like that. Do you get to, it's not it's not doing something. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Now, because of that, I'm going to do something. But the reason some of us don't do anything, we don't know the Lord. We don't walk with Him. We don't deepen. We don't broaden our relationship with the Lord. And because of that, we do not have, we're not rich in our relationship with God. He still loves us, but we're so shallow. We have more money in our pocket. We know more about money than we know about God. We know more about the stock market than we know about the Bible. We know more about our sporting teams. I remember I knew every, every starting lineup in, in baseball. I knew their batting averages, their earn run. I knew everything. And God convicted me about that. It's not wrong to know some of those things. I didn't just say, well, that's wrong. That's it. I didn't do that. The problem was is all my, that was my investment. And what you feed on is your future. Is that going to help me be a good husband? Is that going to help me with my kids? You know, we talk about things like that sometimes. They need a dad that knows God. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. God delights to bless you. He delights, he delights to, to pour his blessings on you. But God's blessing adds no sorrow with it. When you're in His plan, there's no grief. That's what the word means. There's no grief. There's no sorrow. What you feed on is your future. Do you want sorrow? And what you're growing now is where you're going. Some of you are going to some heartache. That's going to be your destiny because of some stupid choices you're making right now. And some of them are not sinful choices. And I'm going to use a word maybe your mom and dad told you not to use. And if you say the preacher said it, well, then you don't say it. But I'm going to say it because it's used in Proverbs. But they're stupid choices. They're just stupid. What are you doing? You don't think this is going to come to harvest one day? I mean, if you sow corn, you're going to reap corn. You're neglecting life. You're neglecting the Lord. Now, Matthew chapter 6, look at it with me in verse 19. I want you to notice the word treasures here. We're talking about investments. We're talking about wealth. Matthew six nineteen. lay not up. That's an expression that means to... Have in store, reserve. He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. And where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves. Look at this. There's a, there's a contrast here. Treasures in heaven. Now you're laying up something. You're, you're putting them in store. There's a reserve what kind of wealth do you have? You are wealthy in something. You're wealthy in Xbox. You're wealthy. I don't even know what the, the things are now. But you're wealthy in something. Are, are you wealthy in, in your relationship with God, in your relationship with people? 
Do you even know your kids? You, you adult kids, do you even know your parents anymore? My mom and dad died. There's no regrets. There were no, and I'm not a perfect son. I don't mean to portray that. But I was very intentional about what I'm giving you. I was intentional. There were no regrets. And some of you, listen, you are going to reap what you've sown one day. Because what you feed on is your future. And you're having so much fun with everybody else. You're ignoring your brothers and your sisters. And these are the people that are going to come to your funeral. These are the people that are going to pay for your funeral, some of them. These are the people that are going to weep over you. Lay not up for yourselves these treasures, but lay them up in heaven. The values God gives where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, nor thieves do not break through or steal. The word corrupt there means to consume. You know that... uh, a moth will eat your clothes, but they, they don't eat clothes when you're wearing them. They eat things that are stored up. All the stuff that's laid up. The word rust there, has, it means to corrupt. Like on a car or something that's old. But it also has to do with, with an animal eating up grain in the field. When I was studying this, I discovered that in India, I think it was 15% of the grain is eating, eaten by vermin, rats, and mice in India. 15%. Now, you think about that in a nation. They'll break in these silos, and, and they just eat it up. And they consume it. And then in that day, they would, they would hide their, their gold and, and their valuable monies in the fields. And th- professional thieves, this is, they would watch and they'd see someone late at night going out with a shovel. They'd say, oh, and they would mark it and then they'd go to bed. In the wee hours, they'd go dig and see if it was something valuable. They would break through and they would steal it. And here's, here's what the writer's saying. The only thing secures in heaven. Because moths are going to eat your clothes. Rust, animals are going to eat your stuff. Thieves are going to steal you. The only thing that can't break through and steal in heaven, thieves aren't there. There will be none of this, none of this other stuff. Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, the word means your storehouse. Where you keep your valuables, there will be your heart also. That means you track your you track your heart, your affection, where you put your treasure at. You know what? You know what that is. Your your affection, your heart is your your energy, your time, your money. Because I love my wife, I, I love my friends, I love my Lord, so I give Him my time. I do give money. That's a that's a symptom of of as attached to my heart. I don't love the money, but I love what money can do for people. So I don't cling to money. Money is just money is just a tool. It's not so I can have more, it's so I can use it to help people. And one of the things with my disease that I despise, I don't want to say this because God has other purpose, but it's just a lack of energy. I, I, it's one of the most difficult things about it. 
but the energy God gives us. Because where your treasure is, your storehouse, that's where your heart, that's where these things are, your energy, where your time. How much energy have you given to the Word of God and meditation? See, some of you, God bless you, I love you. You could be so much further along, but you labor so much to be financially wealthy, but you neglect the important things. Now, some people appear not to have much financially, but they're wealthy. They're wealthy in other things. And they don't need as much. And this doesn't mean that a wealthy person neglects important things. God has blessed some people, especially people that have the gift of giving with the ability to make money. It doesn't mean that people that don't have money aren't covetous. I just want to just veer off. I'm getting off the subject, but I put this in here on purpose because what we hear politically so much that, you know, we divide the pie evenly. You know, the Bible doesn't teach that. America should not be socialistic or communistic because the Bible isn't. Don't ever let anybody tell you, here's what the Bible is. And no, it isn't. The Bible says you need to work. And to, to, to those that work, go the spoils. There is a place for grace. Thank God we would, we'd all go to hell if there wasn't. But after you get saved, God says, okay, I want you to do something for me. And I've saved you and enabled you to do that. Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. You read that passage and an ant prepares as forethought. They think. Okay, what's the leverage point here? And be wise. In other words, consider the future because what I'm growing is where I'm going. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 29, Seest thou a man diligent in his business, whether it's financial or the family business, raising your family, whatever it is, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before Mean men. Now, mean doesn't mean you're probably thinking about a family member. Like that's not what that means. It means like remember, remember when you had math and you were looking for the mean. It means the average. He shall not stand before obscure people. Here's what that means. It means God promotes people that are diligent. I'm hesitant to say this, but I'll go ahead and say it because it fits here. I'm very frustrated sometimes when I visit churches and I sit where you sit. And I can tell when the pastor hasn't studied. I want to take my Bible and fold it and get in the car and leave. You have wasted my time. Now, I'm not talking about that they have different gifts. You haven't studied. You're up there shooting from the hip. What are they paying you for? Occupational ministry is the gift of time. To free you from other things so that you can prepare your mind and your heart privately so publicly you can be prepared to say some things that other people in the church. Now, God has given you some gifts, but they're not to shoot from the hip. Now, that's enough of me saying that. But it frustrates me. Be diligent in your business, sir. Be diligent. Putting your face to the grindstone. Putting your face to the grindstone. While Pat Paula said, 
that was really a good sermon you preached. I said, well, thank you. She said, it makes me want to leave you alone more. I didn't do it externally, but internally I said, yes, yes. And some of you that have worked with your mind a lot, sometimes I'll be working and, and you know, you're, you're, you're coming up trying to put this. And she'll come, hey, Rick. And she'll talk. You know, I'm just being polite. Yes. And I'm saying, oh, God, help me not to lose that. And what is that? And finally, I'll say, you know what, honey? I know it looks like that I'm just sitting here having a really good, but I'm in the office right now. Oh, oh, I am so sorry. It's, oh, it's okay. And then she leaves. And I said, well, God, it's like somebody just hit the delete button right there. It is totally gone. But the point is, the point is, whatever your business is, be diligent in it. Especially when nobody's watching. We can do to make, make these investments. Send text, send text when nobody's looking. Call people when they don't expect it. When you hear a song and you think about somebody, send it to them. Don't just think about it. It doesn't take a lot of energy, 60 seconds. I heard this song. I thought about you. I thought it would help you. You can be an encourager to invest in people. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you would. 1 Timothy 6. Look at verse 9. Notice the warning here. 1 Timothy 6, 9. Now I'm going to read it wrong first, okay? And then I'll correct it. Here's the wrong reading. But they that are rich fall into temptation. Is that what it says? No. And that's what most of us think. Yeah, all those, all those rich people, they just have temptations. And I tell you what, if I was like that, I would No, that's not what it says. Now, every word is inspired. It says, they that will be rich. They that are covetous fall into temptation. You're tempted and it's a snare. It means you're deceived. It's a trap. Are you covetous this morning? Is that what you think about all the time is getting more and having more? And into many, look at this, many foolish and hurtful lusts. The word foolish means you don't think about the consequences of your actions. Hurtful means it leaves a lasting injury. These lusts, these desires that are they're in your heart, they're foolish. They're going to hurt you. What you're growing is where you're going. And, which, and, and these things drown men. It means they overwhelm, they consume you in destruction, in perdition. They ruin us, they damn us. For the love of money is the root of all evil, the offspring of all evil. Not having money, just loving money. I've known people that have money, but they don't love it. And I've known people that don't have money, and they do love it. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Which while some coveted after, and there's the issue. Look at this, they have erred from the faith. They've been led astray from the faith. They left God. And, and look at this line, it's powerful here. And they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Do you know what that means? It means to be completely impaled with sorrow. That is a word picture. You, you don't just have a sorrow. You are completely impaled with sorrow. And it goes back to the first line in verse 9. Because you will 
be rich. You will be rich. And let me quickly give you some scriptures here about the folly of investing in the wrong thing. 1 Timothy 6.17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. That's a temptation to be proud of, think you're better than you are. Nor trust, look at this, nor trust in uncertain riches. You can lose those. But in the living God, he's my source. And, and I love this, he giveth us richly all things to enjoy. He's a good God. He's blessed us. Here's one, Psalm 39.6. Surely every man walketh in a vain show. Surely they are disquieted. That means there's an internal uproar in you. You're troubled internally. He heapeth up riches. He stores them up and knoweth not who shall gather them. That's his fear. Psalm 49 and verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. It shows what they worship, what they love, who their confidence is, is their wealth, their riches. Psalm 52 and verse 7. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches. You see that? Trusted in the abundance of his riches. Maybe it's better you don't have much. Maybe some of you, if you had more, you would, you would be impaled on the sorrows of things. You ought to thank God, maybe. Or you'd be like Psalm says here. The, you trust in the abundance of your riches. Psalm 62 and verse 10. Look at this warning. Trust not in oppression. Become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Because that's the problem. It's your heart, your affections. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. Proverbs 23, 5, Labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, they fly away as an eagle towards heaven. Here's one relevant even to our nation, but even to finances. Proverbs 27, 24, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation. And then one other verse here, and then I'll give you one other thought and we'll be finished for the day. Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. Lest I be full and deny thee. These are powerful verses here. And say, who is the Lord? Or on the other end, lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. So here's what he's saying there. God, just give me what I need. In due time, remember what Paul said in Philippians 4. I have been full and I've been on the other end. But Lord, teach me. Teach me to be content. Now, as I close this, let me just make one. I'm going to go further, but I'm going to stop here because of time. But let me give you this thought. I'm going to give you a couple more scriptures because I want to close with this part. Listen. Every, every parent and indirectly a grandparent leaves an inheritance for their children. And even the Bible says your grandchildren. And, and there is a financial aspect to that. 
whether it's heirlooms, sometimes it's not a lot, it may be heirlooms, and sometimes you can leave a lot. But if that's all you leave, you haven't left much. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 22, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children. That's a grandparent. And the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So there he's talking about leaving an inheritance. So that, I think that's financial, but it, it, there are other types of wealth. Is that what Proverbs 13 says? Yes, it is. There's more than just financial wealth you want to leave to your kids. Proverbs 19, 14. Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers. Now, that's financial wealth, or finances, maybe not wealth. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. Now, there's there's some things your parents can't help you with. And you want God to to help you, God, the blessings of God. And here's an inheritance that you can give to your kids that's that's better than money. Now, When my, when my parents passed away, um, we, we don't have much of a financial inheritance. My mother, she used to cry sometimes, not often, but she would. She'd be kind of isolated. I told you this last month. And I said, Mama, what's wrong? She'd say, I'm, I'm sorry. I said, what? She said, I, I, we just don't have much to leave you. I said, Mom, Mom, look at me. Look at me. I said, you, you and Daddy gave us Jesus. You get, and I, I began to list all these things, and it troubled her. It troubled her. It never troubled us. My brother's a, a missionary, and he travels. He can't because of COVID. He was in St. Louis a couple of weeks ago, and he does some stuff locally now. He's trying to get back where he can go overseas. He goes to Israel a lot, Brazil, and... I mean, he goes all over the world. It's been very difficult for him, and he wants to do that. He lives where my mom lives. Lost his wife. So I get this is very personal, but I want to illustrate this. So he he's texted and sent me all the, hey, I, I met with the lawyer. You know, I'm trying to do with the house. You know, I want to be right with this, and we'll buy the house. It's a house. It's, all, it's fine. Don't Don't. Just shut the meeting. It's okay. We're good. We're fine. Don't worry about that stuff. Live in the house. Just stay in the house. You say, what is it? That's an inheritance that my parents gave us. That my brother, my sister, and I get along and we trust each other. Are you listening? Now, I want to ask you a question. How much is that worth? Is that worth $500,000? Is that worth a million dollars? Is that worth $10 million? How much is that worth? We trust each other. We don't even think about it. And the only reason I open my heart up to you and share something that personal is is at risk that I don't even want to, to be honest with you. But I want you to understand the sheer brutality of this because some of you, listen, what you feed is your future. And some of you, what you're feeding right now, you're going to wake up. And I get in the middle of these things with people, and they're ugly. Because as a parent, what you're feeding your kids is going to be their future. 
But the thing is, is my parents, they, they, never, they never gave us money. Because they never had a lot of money. But you know what they gave us? Proverbs 22.1. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And loving favor than silver or gold. Loving favor is huge. It's huge. My daddy and my mama, they have a huge network. Every now and then I hear people, they just got that because of the network. Yeah, that's right. God gave it to them. They were good people. And I've been the beneficiary of my parents' network because they had a good name. I talked to my boy last night, John, for 30 minutes and some things. He had a big event at the Chattanooga Lookout Stadium yesterday with the, the AA team. And he said the president of the team came out and he said, John, he said, I, I knew this would be good, but I, I really, I don't want to tell you this, but he said, I didn't, I knew it would be good, but I, I didn't know it would be this good. I know you're a coach, but he said, this was really, really good. He said it was organized, but he said you, what you did is with the parents and the kids. John, this was phenomenal. I want to do this again. And John said, Daddy, he said, I got out of the way. And he said, I have such a good team, the people working with. He said, I didn't. He said, nobody knew I was in charge till the very end. I just want to start weeping on the phone. I just want to start clapping. Say, amen. Man, you got it. You got it, boy. Because what I've been feeding you is going to be your future. You're getting it. This is what I've been feeding you. This is the way I've been living. It's not about you. And when you live that way, you don't get your feelings hurt because it never was about me. And I said, John, I said, you know, you have a wonderful network. Of people, because I said you practice Proverbs twenty two one. You have a good name, and you've loved people and you've helped people, and it's never been about you. And God's blessing you. Ecclesiastes seven one. A good name is better. A good name is better than precious ointment. That was very expensive perfume they used on very special occasions. It's better. It's better. They're very valuable things. New cars, big houses. See that when you see precious ointment. The most expensive is a good name. What does this mean? In the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. Well, he's talking about your name. It means that when you invest in your name, and you're not concerned about your reputation, you're just living. Here's what you're doing. You're making wise choices, and your name takes care of itself. Don't worry about your reputation. Abraham Lincoln said, uh, character is the tree. Reputation is the shadow. Don't worry about your reputation. You take care of your character. Reputation take care of itself. And it says at the day of your birth, you're here. At the day of your death, your name is even better. That's what that means. But our values get all mixed up. Let me show you one more verse, show you how this works. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 19. Jesus told his disciples, Behold, I give unto you power. Now, I want you to see that. Authority, power. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. That is Satan, his demons. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
You see that? I delegated this power to you. Then he said this, notwithstanding, in this rejoice not. Do you see that? But don't rejoice in this. Don't rejoice in your power. Don't rejoice in your position. Don't rejoice in your name because people are talking about you and people know you. No. In this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now I'm finished and I've gone too long, but let me say it. What you're growing, what you're investing in is where you're going. That's where you're going. And what you're feeding, that's your future. Listen, personally and as a leader for your family, as a steward for your family, you're setting, you're setting the pace for your family. I hope you'll get this. Now, we're going to dive into this next week and uh, weeks after, and, and we'll talk more about this. I just hope that you'll think about this. I, I plead with you in Jesus' name. Paul said in Romans 12, when I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in the word beseech me, I plead with you. I beseech you. I plead with you. I beg you. I beg you to get this. I counsel with people every week of my life over this issue. Every week of my life, and it's not good. Because they think they're victims. No, no, you just didn't invest. You haven't compounded. You were lazy. You didn't listen in church. You didn't go to church. You didn't read your Bible. You didn't go to couples conference. You didn't take your wife out. You didn't invest. You didn't do anything. It was all about you. And you thought one day the future was going to come and everything was a big hunky door, but it's not. But it's not my fault. And it's not the church's fault. And it's not your daddy's fault. It's your fault. And we're going we're gonna to get into this wealth thing because I'm not talking about financially. It works financially. But we're going to talk about more important things about wealth. Because I want you to be, I'm getting older. And as a stewardship, as a pastor, I want you to be healthy. And I'll use the word wealthy spiritually. So that you can look back and say, my, my, my days there were profitable. I'm better off. I'm stronger. I'm healthier. I didn't just learn the Bible and Bible stories. But I learned some stuff that helped me. So to bow your heads with me. While you are seated there, would you just ask God to help you? While you're seated there, what are you growing? Where are you going? What are you sowing? What's your destiny? You say, Pastor, I I need to change some things. Well, just tell him what it is. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to talk to you, but just, just tell him. Just ask God to help you right now. Would you do that? Ask him. God, help me. Help me to get a hold of this for the future. I I don't want to, I don't like where I'm going. 
Help me to have this compounding interest on the positive and help me to change it today. God, help me. I need your help. I need your grace. I can't do this by myself. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help our people, your people. These are not my people. They're your people. They're the sheep of your pasture. You have put me here as an under-shepherd of sorts to serve them, to love them, to feed them your word. And Lord, as I uh, have been preparing these messages for recent weeks, you've just been stirring in my heart. Even as I want to get away from them, you, you won't let me. And I know this is what we need. And Lord, I, I feel like there's, there's somebody here there's somebody here that their life can be transformed even today. Now, it may be five years, ten years, so they see the fruit of it. But today can be the first day when they finally, as says of the prodigal, came to himself and said, okay, this is, this is going to change today. I'm going to start compounding interest in, in new areas. I'm going to stop the foolishness. I'm going to stop compounding in wrong areas. I'm going to start compounding and, and growing so I can go in the area that will please God. We need your grace. We can't do this by ourselves. Have mercy on us. Bless these precious people. And bless Friendship Baptist Church as we apply this. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.